0: For more information, visit ministry127.com and subscribe to the Ministry 127 podcast for more practical lessons for today's Christian worker. This podcast is on reaching single adults with Pastor Tim Rasmussen. Pastor Rasmussen pastors the Faith Baptist Church at Canoga Park, California, where he has served since 1997.
1: You know, I want to give you a couple of stories today that I think will be an encouragement to you, and I'm heading somewhere with them. I want to read these, these words to you. I sometimes think I might have been in darkness and despair now had it not been for the goodness of God in sending a snowstorm one Sunday morning when I was going to a place of worship. When I could go no further, I turned down a court and came to a little chapel. In that chapel, there might be a dozen or 15 people. The minister did not come that morning. Snowed up, I suppose. A poor man, a shoemaker, tailor, something of that sort, went up into the pulpit to preach. He was obliged to stick to his text for the simple reason that he had nothing else to say. The text was, Look unto me, and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. He did not even pronounce the words rightly, but that did not matter. There was, I thought, a glimpse of hope for me in that text. He began thus, My dear friends, this is a very simple text indeed. It says, look. Now that does not take a great deal of effort. This is a quote. It ain't lifting your foot or your finger. It's just look. He said, a man does not need to go to college to learn to look. You may be the biggest fool, and yet you can look. A man need not be worth a thousand a year to look. Anyone can look. A child can look. But that's what the text says. Then it says, look unto me. He said, listen, no use looking at yourselves. There's no help there. There's no comfort there. And then the good man followed up his text in this way, look unto me. I am sweating great drops of blood. Look unto me. I am hanging on the cross. Look, I'm dead and buried. Look unto me. I rise again. Look unto me. I ascend. Look unto me. I'm sitting at the Father's right hand. Oh, look to me, look to me. When he got about that length and managed to spin about 10 minutes. He was at the length of his tether. And then he looked at me under the gallery and I dare say with so few present, he knew me to be a stranger. He then said, young man, you look miserable. Well, I did, but I had not been accustomed to having remarks made on my personal appearance from the pulpit before. However, it was a good blow struck. He continued, and you will always be miserable. Miserable in life and miserable in death if you do not obey my text. He said, son, but if you obey now this moment, you will be saved. And then he shouted, young man, look to Jesus Christ. There and then, the cloud was gone. The darkness had rolled away. And that moment I saw the sun, I could have risen that moment and sung with the most enthusiastic of them of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That young man was? Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Who became known as the Prince of Preachers, led to Christ as a young man. D.L. Moody, of course, the famous evangelist, when 18 years of age, was a boot salesman in his uncle's store in Boston. His Sunday school teacher was a Mr. Kimball. And Mr. Kimball had set his heart on winning the young man for Christ. And after praying about this matter for some time, he arranged to visit him at the boot store. I was determined to use his own words to speak to him about Christ and about his soul. And I started down to Holton's Boot Store. When I was nearly there, I began to wonder whether I had to go in during business hours. I thought maybe my call might embarrass the boy and that when I went away, the other clerks would ask who I was and they would taunt him with my efforts in trying to lead him to Christ. In the meantime, I had passed the store and discovering this, I determined to make a dash for it. I determined to have it over at once. I found him in the back of the building, wrapping up shoes. I went up to him at once and putting my hand on his shoulder, I made what I felt afterwards was a very weak plea for Jesus Christ. I don't know just what words I used, nor could Mr. Moody tell. I simply told him of Christ's love for him. I told him of the love Christ wanted in return. That was all there was. It seemed the young man was just ready for the light that then broke upon him. And there in the back of that store in Boston, D.L. Moody gave himself and his life to Jesus Christ. And we all know that it's been said that over one million people came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ under the ministry of D.L. Moody. What God can do through the life of one person, we do not know where that journey will head. We do not know what the end result will be, what God can do. And I thank the Lord today, and I'm sure you do too, for the people who faithfully pursued me as a young man. I can look back on my life. I'm a pastor's kid. Uh, when I grew up, my dad was my pastor. He is now, this September, been at our church for 50 years. My mom was my principal. They started a Christian school together. And I grew up in that ministry. I went to church every Sunday morning. I went to church every Sunday night. I went to church every Wednesday night. And back then, I went to church every single special meeting that we had. And in those days, we'd have special meetings that would go sometimes for two weeks at a shot. But I didn't know the Lord. When I was in high school, I can remember faithful workers. Mr. Dave Fizz, my youth director, other faithful workers who faithfully stayed after me and faithfully pursued me as a young man, even on into college. I went to college. I went to Bible college. I graduated from that Bible college. When I graduated from that Bible college, they hired me to teach there. I taught there for four years before I came to know Jesus Christ as my Savior. And on May 13, 1990, I'm so thankful to God that I went to that altar uh, at that church that night. And I knelt to that altar and I can still remember praying, saying, God, I need You to save me. And God, I don't want to just make a prayer like I've made so many other times. I mean, I've been baptized four times as a kid. I was a pro at that. i would made so many prayers and said so many prayers. I said, God, I I don't want to do that again. I want what my dad has. I want what my mother has. I want something real. I want my life to change. I want to be different. And only God knows. I can remember looking back on my life. And the last thing in the world I would have ever wanted to do was be a pastor. Well, it's the last thing I did, that's for sure. And God has led me in that direction. I'm a pastor today, and I thank the Lord for the great privilege of doing that. But only God knows. And I want us to remember, we'll talk about some other illustrations today, about only God knows who that young person is. Only God knows who that that teenager might be. We have a young lady in our church. And I've worked with a lot of teenagers. I worked in the bus ministry in Indiana for, for eight years. And I, I work with a lot of hard young people. And I don't think I've ever known a harder young person than this young lady. I mean, she was brutal. Her sister, who I led to Christ, would trick her to come see me. And when she came to see me, she'd sit there and just stare at me with the meanest look. She was so angry. Well, the Lord worked in her life and she was... She was thrown into jail. And she was released from jail the next day. Her mom got her out, brought her to see me again. The Lord had brought her to the end of that rope. And she sat in that chair in my office with my wife and me talking to her, and she accepted Christ as her Savior. She lives with us today. She lives in our home, and she wants to give her life to God. She wants to come to West Coast Baptist College with her sister. She had been in 11 different high schools. But that's what God can do. And I think at times what we do is we look at that person and think, you know, I've tried like 15 times with that kid. You know, I've talked to them over and over again, and it gets frustrating, and we get discouraged, and we want to give up. But let me ask you a question today. Aren't you glad people did not give up on you? And let's approach our thoughts today with that in mind. We cannot give up. The Bible says the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, 2 Timothy 2.2, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. I had the great privilege of being the pastor of Faith Baptist Church of Canoga Park. And it is my prayer that God will enable our church to be a strong church for Him. I want to be strong for the Lord. I know you do too. I want to be strong in the Lord's work. I want to be uh, stand strong on the Word of God. I, I love the logo for our church. It's a picture of our church resting on the Bible. And how, how apt, how wonderful a picture that is because everything we do should be based on the Bible. Our lives should be based on the Bible. The church should be based upon the Bible. We told our church many times, if you ever hear anything that's not in accordance with the Word of God, you show us. We'll correct it in the very next service because we are accountable to God's Word. It is our rule for faith and practice. And the Bible makes it very clear that we need to have an emphasis on these things. And one of the emphasis I've had is number one, I want to see young people saved. I really want to lead people to Christ with all my heart. That is my goal. Could I ask you a question? When was the last time God enabled you to lead someone to Jesus Christ? I've got to tell you something. It is my goal, it is my prayer to lead someone to Christ every week. You say, well, do you lead someone to Christ every week? I do not. But I come a lot closer to that goal, having that goal, than if I did not have that goal. By the way, the Bible says we're to pray according to God's will. Isn't that true? The Bible also says God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So I pray, God, please give me an opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus Christ. And I've told the Lord, Lord, anything you need to do, any change in my schedule you, need to, you, you want me to make, anyone you bring my way, I'll put everything else aside so I can take the opportunity to tell someone about the Savior. How important, how imperative that is. And so I really want to see people saved. But not only that, I want to see them surrender their lives to the Lord. I want to see them uh, go into discipleship. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. I'd love to see them go to a Christian college for at least a year and give God a chance to work on their hearts and lives. Uh, My dad, when I graduated from high school, said, son, he said, you can go to any college you want to. He said, but I'll help you pay for one. (laughs) Well, I went to that one for a year. And I stayed. And I met my wife the next year. And I stayed, and I received Christ there. And I'm so thankful that I went and I know without any shadow of doubt that I would not be standing here today if I had not followed that counsel and followed my dad's advice. And we have a great burden in our church to get as many young people in Christian college as we possibly can. I mean, the more the merrier. We just want them to go so they're in a safe place, in a place where what they hear will be what we have preached to them. It'll be reinforced. They'll be protected. and And that really is a burden on my heart. So what are some keys in these areas that we can focus on in reaching single adults? But hey, listen, reaching anyone for Jesus Christ, let's talk about some words. Number one, evangelizing. We all know the verses, okay? Mark sixteen fifteen. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We all know. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believe. as the Jew first, and also the Greek. I love Proverbs eleven thirty. The fruit of the righteous is the tree of life. He that winneth souls is wise. I want to be a wise person. Hey, and people can criticize going out door knocking or they can criticize uh, whatever they want to criticize. But you know what? If I'm a soul winner, if I'm someone who leads people to Jesus Christ, God says I'm wise. I love Daniel 12.3. You saw it last night on one of the pictures signed by one of the preachers where the Bible says, And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. And I believe with all my heart we need to do everything we possibly can to tell everyone we possibly can about Jesus Christ. I mean, listen, being soul conscious, being track conscious, looking for opportunities. And I, I believe with all my heart, I, I believe with all my heart that God allows opportunities to come our way. And I believe with all my heart that too often we miss those opportunities. And I've asked God to help me not to miss those. I don't want to miss that person. You know, just this past uh, couple of weeks ago, we had a doctor come to our church, a lady doctor, and uh Uh, she came and I I went by to visit her with somebody else and she wasn't home and then she came again. I said, you know, I'd really like to talk to you and we'll we'll work that out. And then Sunday, uh, the the deacon and the wife that invited them, he he looked at me from the balcony and said, have you talked to her yet? I mean, mouthing that to me and I'm saying, not yet. Well, that Sunday night uh, after Brother Willett speaks, she spoke to him quickly and I talked to her. I said, listen, when can we talk? And listen, I don't want to miss the opportunity. And she said, how about tomorrow? I said, that'll be good. And so she came. This past Monday, at 10 o'clock in the morning in my office, after about an hour, she accepted Jesus Christ as her personal Savior. But you know what? I just don't want to miss those opportunities. I want to look for those opportunities, and she's there. And they're there in your church. And they're there in your Sunday school class. And they're there in your neighborhood. And they're there in your community. And they're there serving your table. And they're there taking that, uh, that, that money from you at that fast food window. I mean, everywhere we go, looking for every opportunity we can to be a witness for Jesus Christ. See, you see, it reminds me that, well, the Bible says this, but how shall they hear without a preacher? You see, the Bible says a man that has friend, uh, friends must show himself to be friendly. Well, listen, how can people know that we're Christians? How can people know that we have the greatest news in the world if we don't share that with them? And I'm, I'm convinced that that is something that we must focus on. I'll never forget the story I heard about the American soldier in World War I. And one night he kind of slipped away from his troops and he went out in the woods. And the next morning he came back and he had a whole line of enemy soldiers behind his gun. I mean, every one of them with their hands behind their head. I mean, there was about 20 of them. And one of the soldiers looked at him and said, look, how in the world did you do that? He said, look, you can go out and find some too. The woods are full of them. I thought to myself, there's no question the woods are full of them, aren't they? And the fields are definitely whitened to harvest. You see, it's not a harvest problem. It's a labor problem. And the Bible says this, Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that He would send forth laborers into that harvest. Listen, we need to have laborers. And it needs to start with us doing everything we can. Listen, I, I preach it to our church. I preach it to our staff. But I understand something. It has to start with me. I mean, I can't tell them to work hard at their Sunday school class if I'm not working hard in my Sunday school class. I can't tell them to make phone calls if I'm not making phone calls. I can't tell them to go out and go soul winning if I'm not going out and going soul winning. I mean, it has to be something where we lead the way for somebody. Say, "Well, oh, I'm not the senior pastor. It doesn't matter. People are watching you. And people are observing you. And people are paying attention to you. And I want to be someone that, that's doing what I know is right to do. What I should do. What I ought to do. The Bible says, they that so in tears, shall reap in joy. When is the last time God broke our heart? Our hearts are broken for people. You saw John Rice last night. I heard him preach many times. And every time he preached, I can still remember tears coming down his face. He was so burdened for the souls of people. Aren't you glad somebody was burdened for you? And they cared about your soul. And God help us to care about people. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. We need to work at leading people to Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? But then let's go on from there. Then you've got to equip. There comes a time of equipping. Let's not miss the last part of the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. The Bible says, we know the verses, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And I believe in all that. I want to lead people to Jesus Christ and I want to baptize people. But there's more. The Bible says teaching them to observe All things whatsoever I have commanded you. And I'll be honest with you, I feel a great responsibility when I've had the privilege to lead someone to Jesus Christ to do just that. Who else will care about them like I would if I'm the one that took them and led them to Jesus Christ? I'm going to have a burden for them. Uh, You know, I I don't feel good about saying, hey, listen, would you mind not following up on that person? And then, you know, he might do that, but I want to at least help with that because they know me. We've developed a little bit of a relationship. I've been able to witness to them. They've accepted Jesus Christ. I want to help them along the way. I want to make sure in discipleship, they're connected with the right person. A person who would be a, a help to them. A person who would be a great mentor to them. It's very important. Listen, I'm so thankful that people helped me once I got saved. And I don't want to just drop them off and say, hey, good luck now. I'm glad you got saved. See you in heaven. It goes on from there. The Bible says again, the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. And discipleship is such a vital key. By the way, I believe in personal discipleship, one-on-one discipleship. I'm sure you do that in your church. We do that on Wednesday nights during our midweek service. And I think it's a great time to do it. The people come for the 12 weeks or what have you. When they finish that, they're, on the habit of, they're in the habit of coming on Wednesday nights Then they come on to the church service. You say, well, I don't want to lose people out of the church service. Listen, this is, there's a greater cause here and you want to help these people and we've seen that the people that go through discipleship are much better prepared for the days ahead than the people that we just throw into the services after they get saved. It's that important, but I don't want to stop there. I also have seen this. One of my favorite means of discipleship is this, I want to encourage you, don't miss out on this, is to take new converts with me soul winning. I'm telling you, it gives you a couple of hours where it's just you and them. And you can talk about everything. They ask questions of you. Not only that, they're spending time with you. You can pray with them. You're going soul winning. You're teaching them how to be a soul winner. And ought to be your goal, not to go with other staff members but to find people that are in your class or in your in your service or in your department where you work that can go with you and help you uh tell people about Jesus Christ. And listen, we need to be committed to teaching others also. I'm so thankful to people in my life that took me with them. I can still remember my dad. When I was a kid going visiting with my dad, and I had some bad incidents doing that as a kid. I was kind of bored. And I remember my dad, you know how preachers have preacher talk back and forth. I can remember one time my dad and I were in a restaurant, just my dad, myself, and Monroe Parker. You ever heard of Monroe Parker? Well, it's kind of a legend, kind of a giant of the faith. We were sitting in a restaurant. And I was just bored out of my mind. I mean, I was sitting there listening to them talk and, you know, just preacher stuff. And I was, you know, like maybe 11 or 12 years old. And they had one of those candles that were red with a mesh net on the outside. You ever seen those? And it was burning. And I began to think to myself, I wonder what would happen if I roll my napkin up and put it in that candle? I'm just curious what would happen. So I thought about it for a while, and they're just talking back and forth. And so I decided, you know, this sounds like a good idea. So I rolled my napkin up and shoved it in that candle. Well, can I tell you what happened? It blew the side of the candle out. It was not a good moment for me at all, especially when I got home that night. But I'm so thankful that my dad took me so many times to visits and I remember spending that time with my dad I remember watching my dad deal with people so patiently uh, you heard this morning about someone who was visited what well, four or five times remember they were called a few times uh, my dad led a man to Christ named Dave Fizz and Dave Fizz was a great man of God in our church and uh, my dad visited him I think 13 times before he finally accepted Jesus Christ as Savior that's what it takes Just going and going and going and going. And don't forget, the Word of God will not return void, but it will accomplish the purpose. I visited someone Saturday, actually with Dr. Sisk, and we made a visit to a man, and you know what? He wasn't ready to get saved, but he's a lot closer now than he was on Saturday. And I'm going to meet with him again and just go after him again. But listen, we need to be committed to teaching others also. Let me give you a third thing uh, that I thought was uh, key and very helpful to me, and that is exhorting. I love Webster's 1828 Dictionary. And you can just look it up online and actually get that dictionary and put it with your, your favorites. And I click on that for word definitions. I think it's a great dictionary to look at. But I looked at the word exhort. You know what that word means? It means to incite by words. It means to advise. It means to warn. It means to caution. And I just quoted to you a moment ago, Isaiah 55:11. But God's word will not return void. It will accomplish God's purpose. And the Bible says to preach the Word. By the way, we need to preach the written Word. Amen? But we need to preach the living Word too. We need to preach Jesus Christ. The Bible says be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. And how important it is, how imperative it is to get Christians as well as those who need the Lord under the sound of the preaching and teaching of the Word of God. And when someone gets saved, I want them right away to get into a Bible class where week by week they can be taught the Word of God and week by week they can be held accountable and week by week they can receive advice and counsel from God's Word. Look, this is the key. Not my thoughts, uh, not my personality, uh, not my friendship, uh, not my intellect, but this Word is the difference maker. Amen? That's what they must hear. And I'm such a firm believer in this. I remember when I was a youth director for many years, I I told our workers, listen, on Sunday mornings, we we don't talk about trivial things. We don't talk about sports, and we don't talk about the activities of the week. We have one hour on Sunday morning for Bible class out of 168. That one hour, we need to be focused on helping each person, speaking to each person, encouraging each person, uh, trying to remember their names. You know, going up to that person and saying, Reuben, good to see you again. I've been praying for your whatever that prayer request might have been. What a difference we can make in that one hour if we'll put our hearts to it. Whatsoever the hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. I mean, give everything you possibly have. So listen, again, I can't make a difference in your life. I can't make a difference in your life necessarily, but God's Word can and God's Word will. And that's why we must point people to the Word of God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by thee. Word of God. Let's go on to another key. Next key is enlisting. The Bible says, Only fear the Lord. 1 Samuel 12, 24, a great verse. The verse my brother always signs with his name. And serve him in truth with all your heart. For consider how great things he hath done for you. You know, I'm telling you, one of the things I love to do when I give the gospel to people is go through what happened at the crucifixion. You know, we've talked about it so many times, it just kind of becomes old hat, doesn't it? But you have to understand that the crucifixion was so terrible. It was so awful that they didn't even have a word that described it. I mean, they didn't have a word in their language that, that, that aptly described the horrors of crucifixion, so they came up with a brand new word. The word is excruciating. And Jesus Christ went through that because He loved us and he saved me and because he saved me i want to do something for him i want my life to count for him i want to make a difference for him i want to do something noteworthy for him and i believe with all my heart that it's imperative once a person comes to the lord to get them enlisted or get them enrolled in a sunday school class i'm a huge believer in the sunday school uh, you heard Pastor Chapel speak about it today. The Sunday school is a church organized to fulfill the purposes of the church. Well, listen, I, I believe in that with all my heart. It's where people can be followed up on. It's pe- where people can be held accountable. And, I, and I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to explain to you how far I take this. I teach a class on Sunday mornings too. And I love teaching my class. But I'm a very big believer in some things. Uh, my class has about 400 people on the roll. You know what we do? We call them every week. And for many, many years, I called everybody on my roll. And it got to be where it was too big. And it was taking me four or five hours on Saturday to call everybody. And so, and I wasn't getting quite everybody, because I'd say, well, that person, man, they haven't been here five years, so I'm going to call them some other time. And it just, you know how that can be, right? It was just too much. And so I enlisted care group leaders who help call, and they all make phone calls. And we try to call everybody. I mean, we just try to get them a phone call on Saturday. And listen, you know, uh, Ruben, it's, it's, this is Pastor Tim. Just want to remind you about the class tomorrow morning, 9.45. Sure, I'm looking forward to seeing you. And if they've given me a prayer request, I can mark that prayer request down. Listen, I'm praying for your mom. Please know that. If I can be of help to you, let me know. I'm looking forward to seeing you in the morning. And we literally call every single week. I'm going to tell you something. It makes a huge difference. And I don't know what class you teach. It doesn't matter if it's high school. It doesn't matter if it's college. It doesn't matter if it's single adults. It doesn't matter if it's adults. I'm telling you something. And I teach adults. And I'm, I'm, I'll miss one of them one week. Maybe I, I, What I try to do is I call through my own care group. And I've got about 100 in my care group. And then I'll call everyone who missed the week before. So I still have a lot of phone calls to make. And so if a person came that week and they're not in my care group, I don't call them. And invariably, i will have them come to me on Sunday and say, hey, Pastor Tim, why didn't you call me yesterday? And you know what? And these are adults. But it makes a difference. They like to know that they've been thought about. They like to know that they are cared for. They like to know that they are important to you. Hey, it means something to you when you're important to somebody. And it means something to them. I'm thinking about things like not only making phone calls, but like he said this morning, Pastor Chapel did, writing letters, uh, sending postcards. Every time I go on vacation, I get a stack of labels for my whole class. And a lot of other people in our church. I'll go out there and I'll buy, last time it was about 300 postcards, and I'll stack those postcards up, I'll take a night and put on the labels and put on the stamps, and I'll just put that pile there, and for the first week, if I'm gone, two weeks, I'll sit there and just write maybe 10 at one shot, and a little later, 15 at one shot, until the, the piles start changing, you know, the pile that I've left is getting smaller, thankfully, and I'll send those to those people, and you think, well, that's, that takes a lot of work, but I'm telling you, it means a lot. I'll go in houses and visit these people and see the postcards on the refrigerator, see the postcards on the wall, see the postcards on the little bulletin board. And I'm thinking to myself, that took me just a few seconds to write their postcard, but how much that means to them. Well, how about single adults? staying out? I'm talking just that staying after them and staying after them and, and calling and, and writing and visiting and, and sending little notes and all these things that make a difference. In other words, doing everything I can, doing whatever necessary to follow up on those people that God has placed under my watch care. We're talking about being stewards. And I don't want to mess up there. And I want them to know listen, hey, old Pastor Tim, you don't have to call me. Listen, and if someone asks me not to call, I don't call. But I don't want to be a bother, I don't want to be a burden, but I sure do want to be a blessing, and I sure do want them to know that there's someone there at Faith Baptist that cares about them, that cares about their family, that's praying for them within our class. If someone gets sick, well, we follow up on them? We go to the hospital, we we make meals, we do all kinds of things. Why? We're trying to be good stewards of the opportunities God's given us. You see, once young people, any people come to the Lord, how important it is, number one, to follow up on them, number two, to enlist them, number two, to get them involved in serving the Lord in some capacity. To do something. You know, I think it was Pastor Chapel this morning that said, you know, when people are busy serving, they don't have time to criticize. And I've learned very, very, very very well over the years, when people are busy rowing the boat, they don't have time to shake the boat. You want to get people involved. And you see, if you get them involved, it's all of a sudden their church. And they're the ones that have got to be there for greeting. And they're the ones, I'm the gentleman in my class. And we had someone move uh, to another department to teach a class, and so I had a, a spot. And the, all this person does is they stand at the door and they hand out the outlines to the people as they walk in the door. And this guy, he came, and every Sunday he would wear kind of a Tommy Bahama shirt and uh, you know, kind of just a pair of khakis and flip flops. So he come to church, and I said, "Hey, would you do that?" And he says, "Man, I'll do it, Pastor Jim. I'll wear a suit." And I'm telling you, every Sunday since then, he looks so sharp. He wears a suit and he stands there. If he can't be there for something, he'll call me. And I mean, all he's doing is passing out the outlines. But you know, I'm glad he thinks it's big stuff. And now it's given him something to do where he's involved in the ministry and that's his job and he's part of it. And I've got people that make breakfast and people that do the coffee and people that do the setup and people that greet and people that um, do announcements and a fellow that does the prayer time. And I have all kinds of people involved. The more the merrier. Because now it's theirs. And they're involved in it. And how imperative it is. Well, I had this guy, he's like 24 years old. He can do something. He can greet. He can help you greet. He can go visit. He can help you visit. He can meet you to pray with you. He can make hospital visits with you. Um, she can go with you ladies and do this or that or the other thing. And how important it is to get people involved. not Maybe not a major position at the beginning, but something where they can get involved with and do something. Something. You see, just about anyone can be enlisted to do those things. Uh, to do the work of the ministry. And what great benefit there is in the lives of new Christians when they start getting involved. How imperative it is to be involved in our church. Amen? Amen. Let's go on. Let me give you another key. I believe in this with all my heart too, and that's encouraging. Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good of the use of, what's the next word? edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Galatians 6.2, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Romans 12.13, Given to hospitality. Romans 12.15, Rejoice with them that do rejoice. You know what I found out a long time ago when I was a youth director? That it was very helpful to me to be interested in the things the young people were interested in. And when I became interested in the things they were interested in, then they listened more to me when I wanted them to be interested in things that I wanted them to be interested in. And how imperative is with single adults uh, to have fellowships and have activities and have all of these things because they want a fellowship. And they, they want to be around other Christians. My brother and sister-in-law teach the college-age class in our church, and they have the kids in their home every single Sunday night. And they come over there for food, and they come over there for games, and they just go over there and fellowship. And I'm telling you, that meets a great need. And it encourages one another. When they share testimonies, they see these other friends that are there, these others that are the same age group that are there. That's encouraging to know, hey, I'm not the only one trying to live for God. I'm not the only one trying to do right. I'm not the only one trying to obey the Lord. Look, all these people are trying to do it too. That's encouraging, isn't it? And what, what a help that is. And so, let's stay involved Uh, in these young people's lives especially we're thinking of today. You know, I heard a quote many years ago. It said, be good to everyone because everyone's having a rough time. And they are. And it's important, I think, when we send young people away to college, uh, how important it is for me as their pastor to stay involved in their lives by writing them letters, uh, to stay involved in their lives by making phone calls, to stay involved in their lives by visiting them. Uh, When I uh, first became pastor, I had another pastor that I highly respect he advised me he said tim he said write your college young people he says, send them a note send them a letter uh, send them an occasional check send them an occasional gift card when you visit our school take them out for a meal and i've tried to do that you know why i want them to know we have not forgotten about them i want them to know we love them i want them to know we care about them i want them to know look we are very interested in you even now that you're gone we're interested in your future we want to see you make your life count for god and I want them to know that I love them, our church loves them, that they call me, they write me or text me. I'm going to answer them because they're important to me. You ever been encouraged by somebody? Someone just came to you and they just said, you know that was just a great message. Thank you for, thank you for that message. It really helped me today. I mean, you can hear like five people kind of give you a, or see five people give you a frown or five people give you a mean statement. If one person has come, I encourage you. It just does a lot for you, doesn't it? I mean, it helps you think, you know, I can keep on keeping on for the Lord. But you've got to encourage them. They're just starting out and they're slipping and they're falling and they're struggling and they're, they're battling. They need our encouragement all the time. I not only have people that I call, I have people that I text every Saturday. And just text them, looking forward to seeing you tomorrow. See you in class tomorrow, praying for you. Can't wait to see you tomorrow. I'm just trying to let them know that they're on my heart, they're on my mind, and I care about them and I want them to do great for the Lord. Let's go on. Let me give you another key here. Engaging. Philippians 4, nine. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me. What's the next word? Do. Do those things. Let's not just talk about it, let's do it. Let's just not talk about it's great to serve. Let's serve. Let's not just talk about it'd be great to tell someone about Jesus Christ. Let's do it. Let's not just talk about, hey, it'd be great to serve in a sentence of class or work in a junior church. Hey, let's do it. Engage. You know what that word means? It means to secure for aid. It means to involve. You see, I only, not only want new Christians serving at the church, I want to get them involved in a ministry of some kind where they're starting to use their talents, they're starting to use their abilities for the Lord. There are a lot of people that have abilities and talents that I don't have that they can use for the Lord. You know, we have a group of young people from our, our single adults actually going to Haiti this summer to help a missionary who's here uh, for this conference. And they're learning songs in Haitian and they're doing all kinds of things to get prepared for that trip just to go and it'll change their lives. It'll impact their lives forever. Listen, doing the work of the ministry, it's, it's a life-changing, life-impacting thing, isn't it? Hey, go to a convalescent home and go visit some of those folks that are there. It'll change your life, won't it? You see those people that are sitting there in their little wheel, wheel, wheelchairs in the hallway. They're, they're reaching out just to touch you. They just... They just, they just want to touch you. They're just just—they're so lonely. And I thought to myself, you know how anyone can visit there. I mean, our teenagers can go visit them. or Anyone can go there. Anyone can go to the, the children's hospital and visit people that are there. And when you're visiting the, someone that you have to visit, maybe visit people around there and tell them where you're from and say, listen, if I can be an encouragement, maybe take a little book that you can take and give to people and say, hey, let me, let me give this to you. I think I'll encourage you. Getting people involved in the work of the ministry. See, when you get involved in soul winning, when you get involved uh, in going to a rescue mission, when you get involved in, in visiting convalescent homes, when you get involved in going on a bus route, it'll make a difference in your life. It will change your life. And my prayer with all my heart is that God will enable me to make a difference. And I believe that one of the greatest things I can do with my life, one of the greatest things I can do with the time and talents that God's given me is to just focus it on reaching people and training them to serve Christ through their lives. And you think about single adults. They have their whole lives ahead of them. And only God knows what they could do for the Lord. I mentioned a young lady earlier. She might be a missionary, and what she does for the Lord may be the maybe the greatest thing that I could ever possibly even imagine, and I might look back at my life one day and say the greatest thing we ever did was stay patient with her and lead her to Christ and try to help her. Who knows? You don't know. That Taylor Cobbler that got up and praise today when Spurgeon was in the church, he didn't know. Yep. That Sunday hill teacher, Mr. Kimball, that went witness to uh, Moody, he didn't know. Right. Just a few weeks ago, we had a men and boys campout, and one of the men that was at our camp outs from England. He's got such an interesting accent. I mean, it's really fun to listen to him talk. It's almost kind of funny a little bit. And he raised his hand in the invitation saying, listen, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm not sure I'm saved. And I talked to him after this, you know, I said, John, I said, listen, he raised your hand. He said, well, I'm not 100% sure. I'm 80% sure. I said, well, let's, let's settle this tonight. And I can still remember this was in April. He bowed his head that night. He accepted Jesus Christ as a Savior. Well, after he got saved, then his wife got saved. And then I remember one night he texted me. He's from England, as I mentioned, from Liverpool. And he texted me. He said, Pastor Tim, he said, what's happening in my life is so incredible. Could you please call my sister in England and tell her about Jesus? I said, what time do you want me to call her? And at the time that he was texting me, it was like four in the morning. I said, would tomorrow be okay? So I, text, I called her the next day. And this man's sister, a single adult, over the phone, except the Lord as a personal Savior. Amazing. And who knows what she'll do with her life. She's coming out here to the States this month and I'll see her and be able to help her from there. But I thought to myself, only God knows the impact. Only God knows the ripples that will ripple out from that. From us just being, you know what? I'm going to look to try to tell every person I can. Every, Every person I see. Every person I come in contact with about Jesus Christ. In the spring of 1949, there's a godly pastor by the name of Charles Underwood. He started a church in Long Beach, California. He was preaching in a meeting in Bellflower. And in this, path, in this church in Bellflower, a young college student, a 20-year-old young man, went to go here and preach one night, unsaved. He looked at this young man and said, Son, he said, listen, I'm starting a church in Long Beach. Why don't you come listen to me preach in Long Beach? Come, come join me in Long Beach. I'm starting this church, brand new church. So this man did. And Pastor Underwood preached from the Gospel of John every Sunday morning. He preached from Romans each Sunday night. It was a simple matter of just precept upon precept, line upon line. There the Word of God was going in. This young man later recounted, he said, you know, I would get angry in the services and think to myself, who told him what I was doing last night? Who told him where I've been? I mean, how does he know all this information about me? But the Holy Spirit of God is targeting that young man. And after three months of going to this new church, dealing with the conviction of the Holy Spirit in his life and dealing with the loving persistence of Pastor Mrs. Underwood, my dad, Roland Rasmussen, pulled his car over one night on Magnolia Street in Long Beach and received Christ as his personal Savior. My grandfather told my dad, he said, if you go to Bible college, he said, don't even bother coming home. My dad went to Bible college. That first summer... My grandfather wouldn't let him come home. He lived with the pastor and his wife the entire summer. But you know, his mom came to Christ. His his dad came to Christ. My grandparents. And who would have thought this 20-year-old college student, this, this baseball player, this kid, going to Long Beach City College, who would have thought that he would go to Bible college? Who would have thought that he would sit under the preaching and teaching of Bob Jones Sr.? Who would have thought that he would purposely give his life to God? He was in my, my grandfather's house one day with my grandfather. My grandfather was dying of emphysema. And they tried to move everywhere for a drier climate to help him. And my dad prayed and he said, God, if you'll save my dad, I'll give my life to you with whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. My grandfather did survive and he was so angry at my father and said, No, you're too young to make a decision like that. You're too young to say words like that. You don't have to keep that vow you made. That you don't have to keep that commitment. My dad believed that he'd given his life to God. And as I look at the campus where I serve today, where my dad has been for 50 years, and I see that church, and I see that school that he started with about 1,300 students each day, and I look and I stand and look at the blessings of God and I just often wonder, who would have thought? I mean, who would have thought? Only God could have known what could take place in the life of one young college student, one kid. Only God could know what he could accomplish through his life for his honor and glory. I'm so thankful to this day that Pastor Charles and Juanita Underwood showed an interest in that young man, my dad. You know, I heard the story, probably you have too, and I'll close with this. About a young boy one day that was out on the ocean. I love the ocean. Maybe you do. I love the water. I love the waves. I love all of that. He's out in that ocean that day and he was looking at all these hundreds upon hundreds of starfish. And he's picking up these starfish as fast as he could. He's throwing them back in the ocean. As fast as he could. I mean, he's trying to save those starfish. And a young an older man came walking by and he just started pouring cold water and all of it, saying, Son, what do you think you're doing? He says, Sir, I'm saving these starfish. And there were literally hundreds there, hundreds upon hundreds. He says, son, you can't save all them. What kind of difference do you think you can make anyway? And he looked at the starfish he had in each hand. He said, well, I can make a difference for this one. And I can make a difference for this one. I want to ask you today, who is it in your church that you can make a difference in their life. That you can start praying for them, start weeping for them, start praying that God will give you an opportunity. We had a young girl from our school. She was expelled from our high school. She was a rough customer too. She just went the way of the world, but you know what? One day she came back to church and started coming to church again. One night I sat down with her and she accepted Christ in her heart as a personal Savior. She came to West Coast Baptist College. She graduated from this school and now works for me as a secretary. And I often look at her and think, who would have thought? Who could have known? The title of this seminar is Reaching Single Adults. So let me ask you a question. Who's that person God's brought to your mind right here, right now? I mean, right now you can think of that person. Maybe they're new to your church. Maybe they've been there for some time and you've just kind of gotten frustrated because you know what? They don't seem to be really listening. Could I ask you a question? Does God want them to perish? Could I ask you another question? Don't you think it'd be a great thing if we started praying today for them that God would grab a hold of their heart and that God would bring them to himself? And if just one person for each of us in this room become the Lord as their personal Savior and give their life to God, this session could make an incredible impact on your church. Surely on that person's life and without question on eternity. Amen? Let's think that way. My dad used to often tell me, he said, son, God really looks out for those trees in the orchard that are bearing fruit. I've often thought to myself, I'd sure like to be one of those trees. That can be a fruit-bearing tree for God, for His honor,
0: and for His glory. Amen. Thank you for listening to this ministry 127 podcast. Today's lesson was on reaching single adults with Pastor Tim Rasmussen. This podcast was designed to equip spiritual leaders to grow in the Word and develop a biblical philosophy of ministry for today's local church. Be sure to let a friend know about ministry127.com. Also, for Christ-honoring publications, please visit strivingtogether.com for resources that encourage spiritual growth and the local church ministry. Thank you for listening to this ministry127 podcast.